Welcome to the Powered Services Podcast, your one-stop shop for all the information, strategies, and insights you need to supercharge your MSP. Get ready to hear from other MSPs and industry experts in the trenches and behind the scenes to help you change the future of your MSP and increase your MRR. Now, here's your host, Dan Tomaszewski. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's Powered Services Podcast. Uh, We've been away for a little while. We had some events going on with the, the Connect Global Um, But we're back, and uh, we've got a lot of really good content to finish out the year with you. Um, And I'm going to turn it over to my co-host, Will Bishop, um, who is going to do the interview today. So, Will, um, welcome, and it's nice to be back, and I'll let you take it over. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dan. It is good to be back in the saddle and and recording again. So uh, we'll get right into things. So the person that we have with us today, our guest is Mike Steep who is the executive director at the Stanford Engineering Center for Disruptive Technology and Digital Cities. And of course, we we actually met Mike uh, at the Connect IT event out in Las Vegas while we were away from the podcast for a little bit because Mike was there hosting um, the cybersecurity management certification sessions that focused on um, the the current state of cybersecurity and strategies around how to combat cyber intrusion and state-sponsored attacks. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well and, and see you again. I really appreciate you joining and um, we'll, we'll kind of get right into it. I know I was looking through your uh, your resume and kind of where you've been and all the all the jobs that you've had and it's it's quite impressive. Uh, we'll, we'll let you talk about that a little bit as you'll do, I'm sure, a much better job than I would. But I know early on you were in management positions with kind of the who's who of, of software providers out there. So tell, tell us a little bit about that uh, portion of your career. Well, I've been uh, a corporate executive for uh, nearly four decades uh, at various technology companies. So as an example of that, I joined uh, Hewlett Packard as my first job out of uh, business school. And then also uh, in another situation, introduced the first software for the IBM PC through Software Publishing Corp. So I've been through virtually every major transition in the, since the personal computer was introduced to the mobile device, to most recently cloud and new IoT devices. So after a 40-year career in technology, um, I started the program at Stanford Engineering School. So the program essentially is designed to create a bridge between the, the roughly 500 labs, technology labs that cross six schools at Stanford with our corporate affiliate members, companies like Microsoft and Amazon, to help them better understand the early stage technology, usually 18 to 36 months before they become commercialized. And um, so the program has been very high growth. We now have nearly 30 members and has been really helpful to help companies understand what's going on outside their R&D world. So what's happened is the innovation piece has shifted from inside corporations, spending roughly $200 billion in at-risk R&D every year out of the two trillion total to 300 billion being spent on venture cap commercial labs outside of the corporate environment. And a lot of the companies simply don't have access to understand what's happening. Yet all these technologies are exploding at a rate we've never seen before. It's almost an exponential growth in new technology development worldwide. So it's very exciting. 
Yeah, absolutely. I know your current position plus the the trajectory of your your working career has really given you a a front row seat, it sounds like, to Mm -hmm. uh, just really see what's going on and see all these new things happening around technology over the years. Mm -hmm. Kind of getting into that, you know, Internet of Things is something that's really hot topic, hot button. And uh, we're curious to see, you know, what are the common ways that you're seeing small to medium businesses implementing Internet of Things into their business? Well, I think there's a wave coming that is very significant. Uh, as an example of that, a lot of healthcare providers are seeing other partners like Medtronic and others developing new types of devices for diagnostics using IoT sensors, among other things. And what is happening with that whole IoT category is that it is exploding. It's no longer what we traditionally used to call IoT. So it incorporates not just mobile devices, but entirely new kinds of sensors that can be embedded in virtually any kind of material. So as an example of that, we, we can embed sensors, stretchable sensors, in a shirt, have the shirt become self-powered, and then be used as a medical diagnostics um, system for patients who are leaving the hospital. So instead of having to report vital information, as an example, to the doctor or through a care visit, um, the small companies can now have a new kind of support where they can get that information automatically transmitted. So there's no need to spend the 250 average cost for a technology uh, specialist visit, uh, for example, at Microsoft uh, and other companies and their healthcare practices and Medtronic and and so forth are, are used to. So the the level playing field that we've had um, is now changing radically. Uh, these devices are also now stationary devices uh, that are being embedded in transportation, infrastructure, and so forth, and include digital camera technologies as well. So it's really just an incredible explosion of the traditional definition of IoT. Yep, absolutely. So it's you know, it's a changing landscape and something that, that definitely our MSP listeners uh, probably need to tune into, you know, and pay attention to and, and kind of prepare and gear up for as they see things changing. And one of the ways that, you know, always comes to top of mind when you talk about, you know, expanding perimeters and things like that is security. You know, and certainly with this, you know, all the Internet of Things, uh, the applications, the devices that you know, you're talking about that are that are going to be going into place. Security's got to be a top top concern, right? Um, what are some of the challenges you see there? Yeah. Well, we're not. We don't have the necessary tools to defend against what some of the bad actors are now developing. So, bad actors are now using machine learning and artificial intelligence to be able to probe systems, almost like a uh, uh, a weapon payload platform where they follow the IoT device platform into the core corporate database systems. uh, And they literally are able to attack critical information in a matter of milliseconds. So what has really changed is that machine learning and AI have reduced the amount of time required to penetrate defenses to a matter of milliseconds instead of the, uh, you know, I would call it the traditional model of several days to months in some cases before, uh, you know, uh, penetration is successful. And our IT defenses on the other side of this 
um, still are using off-the-shelf software, legacy software, and other um, technologies that cannot react in that kind of a time frame. So by the time you discover it, it's actually too late uh, to prevent the damage. And the bad actors are accelerating this by creating their own private market where you can buy botnets as a service. Uh, you can do all kinds of interesting things to acquire some of these technologies uh, if you yourself want to become a bad actor or work with other bad actors. The, the penalty right. for this is very, very low versus the kind of return on investment that some of these bad actors are able to achieve. So until we can, we can make the cost extremely high, we're going to see you know, the growth rate and cybersecurity problems accelerate. Right. And, and you kind of you answered exactly where my mind went with the next question, which was, are, are we keeping pace on the security side of things, you know, to, to keep up with the, the implementation of AI and machine learning, like you mentioned, which sounds like mm -hmm. the answer is probably no. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, we as part of the certification, we went through three modules of material and content. And one of the things that we had recommended is how to create a roadmap or a path of technology tools that can be used to improve overall performance over the course of several years. And what's interesting is that a lot of the um, companies that we talked to have only really achieved the very elementary first stages of this. So part of the problem is that IT is overwhelmed. There are too many high priority tasks um, that are being required by the corporation. And uh, budgets in particular have also been either cut or reduced to, to a level where they're almost non-functional for any new initiatives. So the IT department is really suffering if there are frontline warriors that can help us defend against these attacks. So part of the problem is the, is the message and communication up-channel to the board and the CEO level about how important it is to fund these initiatives. And so we need to develop a good communication process with senior management to talk to them about this as really a prevention of a much bigger catastrophe um, and cost if it's not addressed soon. Right. It's, uh, it's interesting that, that you go down that path. I was just having that, that conversation a little earlier today about uh, we don't have budget. You know, it's, it's kind of a common objection that we hear. And I agree that the communication uh, upstream is, is vital. Uh, it has to happen. And obviously the, the cost of inaction is certainly a, uh, another, another way to, to phrase that or phrase the conversation. Do you find that it's particularly effective uh, when you're having that conversation upstream to talk about risk and maybe try to illustrate the, the risk inside the business that, that exists in yes. a state of inaction? Yes, you hit it the nail right on the head. It's now possible using some new algorithms to assess risk, but most of the risk that we're dealing with is data in motion, not archival information. So data in motion changes in terms of risk factor every millisecond that information is moving through a network or a system. And so insurance companies, especially cyber insurance companies, simply don't have the tools to calculate an accurate risk factor using some of the uh, old techniques of, um, used by the industry. And so as such, we have another crisis that we're facing where 
getting cybersecurity insurance is becoming increasingly difficult because the kind of losses that these companies are experiencing are accelerated. So last year alone, the premiums on average went up about 35%, and the coverage was reduced nearly in half. So essentially, we're paying um, you know, double to triple uh, the amount for, the, for a level of protection that, quite frankly, is, is not as adequate as it should be. So part of the problem here is that the technology in the insurance space that is being deployed is not able to calculate the risk values of data in motion. And that's where the principal problem lies. So we need a new approach, a new architecture that can say, yes, you know, for a few milliseconds, this data is worth X number of dollars. And as it uh, moves through the transaction in our network, let's say 10, 10 milliseconds out, it's Y dollar amount. And so the premium adjusts based upon the timing of the information that's in motion. Now that's a very different kind of model than um, insurance companies have been used to. But they're also uh, being pushed in many cases by the sophistication of the bad actors. Bad actors are starting to deploy technology a lot faster than the defenders, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've noticed that too in our conversation with our, our MSP partners that they're filling out applications for cyber liability insurance that used to be maybe a page, half a page. Uh, I've heard in some cases now they're 10, 11 pages long. Um, and they're asking very detailed questions and, and asking for all kinds of uh, evidence of compliance mm-hmm. with the things that they're asking for. So mm-hmm. yeah, that we're seeing that as well. Um, we've spent a bit of time talking about Internet of Things uh, in the conversation today, but what, what other technologies are out there that small to medium businesses are either beginning to look at and invest in or uh, they should be keeping their eyes on? Is that in terms of generic technologies uh, beyond the cybersecurity issue? Yes. Okay. Well, um, there's a whole realm of new predictive analytics. Uh, okay. So it's think about it like this. Um, the sophistication of our ability to find the needle in the haystack is, has increased dramatically through algorithm and machine learning. So um, finding out, for example, which data to keep and which data to get rid of in a system is becoming vitally important. So we have new tools that are starting to emerge, especially in predictive analytics, that allow us to understand how to do a weed and feed program. So for example, how to uh, take out the dark data. So it's, you know, 50% of, of data is characterized as dark these days, uh, not used. We don't in some cases know what's in it, which is rather crazy. But right. um, using these tools, it's possible to find out what data is going to provide insights that could help drive business decision-making and what data is not, which would allow us to uh, you know, literally weed that out. Um, so what we want to try to do is encourage small businesses, small and medium businesses, to take a look at this burgeoning field because um, the whole nature of predictive analytics, and it involves algorithm development, um, is literally one of the key hopes for being able to sort through some of the problems that we're facing. Right. Okay. Very good. Uh, well, uh, certainly appreciate you joining the, the podcast today. I know this has been uh, some good information. Uh, I, I know as well, I'll give you a chance to to plug your book. You've got a book, I think, that's out now and maybe one that's going to be published soon. Is that correct? Yes. Um, so there's a book called First Light of Day, 
And it is two parts. The first part of the book is a fictional account of what it will be like 30 years from now uh, in, in the future with existing technology and where that's taking us. The second part of the book is a factual guide to all of the disruptive technology emerging coming out of the labs. So a reader can choose to read the second part or the first part or both um, in combination. And we've gotten really excellent reviews uh, on the book. You can buy it on Amazon, Apple, and, and other locations. The second book we're developing is, uh, for want of a better term, we have a finalized title, Reinventing Innovation. It's taking all the lessons learned about technology development and applying them to understanding how to do innovation inside of a corporation that is much more effective. And uh, so we're addressing a number of critical problems that CEOs are facing. It's going to be an interesting read. Okay. This sounds good. We'll look forward to, uh, to seeing the new one come out. Excellent. All right. Very good. Well, again, Mike, thank you for uh, joining the podcast today. And we'll wrap things up here. And we'll look forward to uh, seeing everybody on the next version. Very good. Well, thank you very much. Um, it was a great opportunity. All right. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Powered Services Podcast with Dan Tomaszewski. We're dedicated to giving you practical information, tactics, and strategies that you can use to supercharge your MSP. If you liked today's episode, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, this is the Powered Services Podcast, signing off.